0: Hello everybody and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am
1: Mike. I am Patrick.
2: I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And this week we are once again doing a cover song show, which is two opportunities per song for Pat to make fun of Joel's music taste.
1: Yay! Hey, spoilers! Wait.
0: No, that's not a spoiler.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, if they listen to the first one, they know.
0: (laughs) Wait, what?
1: Oh, you're not going to be happy with me by the end of this episode is what what the short version of that is. I was just doing pattern recognition. I didn't realize I actually didn't like like them this time. Wait, did you already listen? Yeah. What do you mean? Did I already listen?
0: They posted the the playlist on the chat,
1: man. I was gonna say
2: I, I posted the Spotify playlist to everyone's selections a long time ago. Well, like not
3: anybody
0: listened. Did you not listen to any of them? Like anybody listened.
1: I listened to all eight or sixteen songs.
0: Dude. <laughs> I listened to all sixteen songs too. Do you? Are you are just not dedicated to this show? Right. Get out of
1: here. Get a rope.
0: (laughs) If you like rope, you (laughs) might like the shows
2: on the Podcast Collective, such as I Am Salt Lake, Tales from the Hard Side, the Portland Beer Club Podcast, and of course, the
1: Rad Dad Radio Hour. That song slapped.
3: I'm bringing it back
1: around.
0: All right. That's fun. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, so, if you want some of our older stuff, we are on Apple and Google uh podcasts. Blu-ray Stitcher, Talk to you, Podverse FM. We are on iHeartRadio, Spotify, and all sorts of other places across the net.
3: Pod chaser, chasing the pods.
2: Uh, didn't we have something new
0: we just got added to? No, we did not. Oh. Did that not actually happen? It happened. I just have an NDA until it does.
3: Oh.
2: Ah. Uh, secret, secret. It's so it's, secret. It's, it won't have
0: happened by the time the show actually goes live. Probably not.
2: Okay, fair enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but something is coming soon. Uh, uh, Thanks, Joel. Thanks for welcome. keeping it classy. <sighs> If you were in Toy Story, you would be his sock.
4: <laughs> Ew.
2: My <laughs> God, it's really sticky. At least I hope it's
0: like boy Andy's sock and not adolescent Andy's sock. Oh, no, he's adolescent Andy's sock. Oh, That's what he is. It's like, hey, guys, here I come. Oh, God, the sock's here. Pretend you're a toy.
3: No, it, it, throughout the series of films, it starts out as a normal sock. And over the course of the films, it just gets stickier and stickier.
1: It, it turns into plaster of Paris.
3: Yep.
2: Uh, <laughs> I think on that note, it's about that time.
4: Oh. This week in music, movies,
0: and TV. All right. So this week, the date is March nineteenth, nineteen ninety. All right. That's right around graduation, nearby for me. Uh, The release of Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode.
1: Which was the second most sold single on the list. The first most was a week we'd already done before. So,
3: Well, at least you caught it early enough. Yep. Yep. All right, so music. The number one song in the land was Escapade by Janet Jackson.
0: Escapade.
3: We'll have a good time. She's a talented woman. I was going to say young woman, but she's not that young anymore.
0: What what album was that again? Because that that whole album was great. Was that, was that Rhythm, Nation, Rhythm Nation, I think? Yeah. Nation, yeah, pretty, yeah.
3: Which is a solid record, man. It's a good and one. an
0: awesome video. hmm Agreed. And was amazingly done by, what's his name, from Lip Sync Battle? I
2: know exactly who you're talking about, and I'm blanking. He's one of my favorite actors.
0: I know. He was on
2: Third Rock. Oh, Joseph yeah. Gordon-Levitt? Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt killed the dance on that. I, yeah, he was dressed up as Janet Jackson and did the whole Rhythm Nation dance.
3: Which is not easy to do, so kudos to him.
0: Is there nothing he can't do?
1: I'm I don't thinking, think so, to be honest, yeah.
0: He's in my dream. <laughs> he's in mine. <laughs> Aww. Make Went Don to- John a box office hit?
4: Oh, <laughs> uh, There Ouch. you go.
2: Too soon.
3: All right, so the 1990 Soul Train Music Awards were held at the Shrine Auditorium in Los Angeles on March 14th, honoring the best in R&B, soul, rap, jazz, and gospel music from the previous year. The show was hosted by Patti Bell, Luther Vandross, and Dionne Warwick. Winners included Babyface, Janet Jackson, Soul to Soul, and Heavy D and the Boys.
0: That had to have been an amazing show.
2: Right, that's see. In 1990, this would have been like three years before I discovered most of those. Like I would have known Luther Vandross and uh, Janet Jackson. But This is like a few years before I got into 90s R&B. I miss Soul to Soul. I don't
5: know what happened to them? I miss Heavy D. The boys, eh?
3: Not so much.
5: Boys can do whatever they want, but
3: that Heavy D though. He went on Atkins. He's now Slimmy
5: D. <laughs> All right. I on. hate the fact you made me laugh on that.
3: <laughs> I'm still looking for reasons to throw in the Saki character from Toy Story again. Ah, <laughs> uh, so moving on. Richard Roman Gretchko, known as Rick Gretch, was a British rock musician and multi instrumentalist. He is best known for playing bass guitar and violin with family as well as in the supergroups. Blind Faith, and Traffic. He also played with ex-Cream drummer Ginger Baker's Air Force. As a session musician, he played with George Harrison, Rod Stewart, Ronnie Lane, Vivian Stansall, Stansall, Stansall,
1: Stansall, probably
3: Stansall, Muddy Waters, Rosetta Hightower, Eric Clapton, The Crickets, The Bee Gees, and Graham Parsons. On March 17th, he died of alcohol-related kidney failure at the age of 43. God, that seems young. The the older we get, the younger that seems.
0: Especially when it's younger than us. Or me. Uh, all of us except Josh. Yeah, that, that's how old I am for at least a, for a while. Wait, uh, no. No, it's younger than me. I've lost track of
2: how old I am. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, I just want to call it. I mean, look at who he played with. George Harrison, Rod Stewart, Muddy Waters, Bee Gees, the Crickets. That's... I wish they would make a band that was just like all studio artists that just fill in whenever they need them, like the Wrecking Crew, the Wrestlers.
3: <laughs> no, the session artists that played with everybody back in the day. There's a whole documentary about them.
2: I mean, that's uh, kind of what Gorillas was. I mean, the the band members were animated, but like the people playing the instruments were all
0: session musicians. Mm. Hmm. I I just have I just have. A great respect for session musicians, just because it's like, "Hey, you're playing with muddy waters now. Okay, I got this. Hey, you're playing with the BGs now. Okay, cool, I'll do that. Let's completely change however you play to match whoever it is you're playing with at the time. Yeah, it's a hell of a skill set. seriously.
3: if you get a chance? so check out the wrecking crew documentary. If you ever want to see a woman who vaguely reminds you of Val playing bass guitar like a badass that's that's
1: a documentary for you. Yeah, they were mainly Motown. You know that reminds me of, Pat? Remember when we
0: were in um, New Orleans and we were at that one bar and that one guitarist that was just ripping along with everybody yeah. and looked like... It, he it looked
1: like an old businessman, like a, like yeah. a, should have been a CFO of yeah, He
0: Apple should have been wearing a tie and he looked bored.
1: Yeah, and he was fucking phenomenal. Didn't matter yeah. what song they played, he was great at it.
3: Meanwhile, we'd get up there and we'd all be H. John Benjamin at a piano. <laughs> I was like, Ring.
0: hey, I did, this on, I did this on Guitar Hero. I should be all right. Plink,
3: plink, plink, plink. Dude, That is good. All right, so moving on. Andrew Patrick Wood was an American musician, best known as the lead singer and lyricist for Malfunction and Mother Love Bone. Wood formed Malfunction in 1980 with his brother Kevin and Reagan Hagar, and they are often cited as being among the founding fathers of the Seattle grunge movement. During his time in Malfunction, Wood started relying heavily on drugs Entering rehab in 1985. By 1988, they formed Mother Love Bone. The following year, the band signed a deal with Polygram, issuing a six song EP, Shine, before going on tour. Towards the end of the year, the band recorded their debut album, Apple, scheduled for release in 1990. Due to his struggle with drug addiction, Wood checked himself into rehab again in 1989. He died in Seattle on March 19th at the age of 24 after being found in a comatose state by his girlfriend following a heroin overdose. And if you've never heard, Heard Mother Love Bone or Andrew Wood? Dude had some pipes.
2: I know I have, but probably just because we were roommates.
0: Most likely, they were on um, single. Yeah, a track on the singles album. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: Chloe dancer crown. Yeah. On March 20th, Gloria Stefan's tour bus was involved in an accident near Scranton, PA, while heading for a show in Syracuse to promote the album "Cuts Both Ways." On the snow-covered highway, a semi-truck crashed into her bus, causing it to collide with a tractor trailer. Gloria suffered fractures to her spine. Her nine-year-old son had a broken collarbone, and the rest of the mammy sound machine, including Gloria's husband, Emilio Estevan Jr., escaped with minor injuries. I said the same thing again. After being flown by helicopter to NYU Langone Medical Center, two titanium rods were implanted to stabilize her spine, beginning a painful year-long recovery. The experience provided inspiration for her post-accident album, Into the Light, in particular the track Coming Out of the
2: Dark.
0: I liked her husband in Mighty Ducks. Coming Out of the Dark,
2: that was a big track, like, tied to her story of how she, like, almost ended her career in that accident. Oh, yeah. When that video dropped, it was huge.
0: I remember when she was in the accident, that was, like, all over the place.
1: So was the accident.
3: Oh, meanwhile, Dave Matthews is dumping his shit down the end of the river.
2: <laughs> what are you gonna
0: do? I'm Dave Matthews.
2: <laughs>
3: Somebody sounds like uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> if what he's not I'm gonna stick, do is not ride a boat under bridges on the Chicago River. Well, I mean, staying off the Chicago River is a good idea in general.
1: <laughs> yeah, for everyone.
2: Don't expect it to rain literal shit. What would you spray? All right, moving on to movies, Thank please. You. The number one movie in the land was Pretty Woman, which knocked yeah. off The Hunt for Red October. Hmm. We have talked about one of those.
5: Guess which one?
1: Is it Pretty Woman?
2: Yes.
5: Oh. We did no. a Pretty Woman show? No. Yeah. You don't remember
0: that? We've done so many shows. Like, I, I could believe that like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what I had for lunch yesterday, dude. I mean, it's... no, we did Hunt for Red October.
3: Versus Pretty Woman.
0: (laughs) That makes sense.
2: (laughs) All right. Uh, Capuchin, a French fashion model and actress, was born Germaine Helene Irène Lefebvre. Good friends with Audrey Hepburn when they modeled together in their younger years. She later became known for her comedic roles in What's New Pussycat and The Pink Panther, where she played the wife of Inspector Clouseau, among other roles. She appeared in 36 films and 17 television productions between 1948 and 1990. On March 17th, at age 62, having reportedly suffered from illness and depression, she jumped to her death from her eighth-floor apartment in Switzerland. Yikes. Yikes. That ended weird. (laughs) I had, like, you notice my tone changed? I saw something bad coming. (laughs) I didn't pre-read, but I was like, I think I'm going to slow this down a little bit.
1: <laughs> There's a lot of death in this week's week.
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, I would have been like, she appeared in 36 films and 17 television productions between 1928 <laughs> 30- and <laughs> 1990.
2: Isn't that great, folks? Knowing that her career ended in 1990, and that's the theme of this week, it was a <laughs>
1: little hint. Wow. I, like, I, I, don't th- I don't think this ended well. And she lived happily ever after. <laughs>
2: Best remembered for his raunchy stand-up humor, Robin Harris became famous in supporting roles in movies, such as in the films House Party and Do the Right Thing as Sweet Dick Willie. He was close friends with Spike Lee, Robert Townsend, Bernie Mac, Martin Lawrence, and Magic Johnson. His career was tragically cut short by a massive heart attack at the age of 36 on March 18th. Spike Lee dedicated Mo' Better Blues to Harris after his untimely death.
3: Now, was that the guy who did Bebe's Kids?
2: Yes. Okay.
3: Was it? Yep. I thought I recognized the name, but I wasn't 100%. So.
2: Wow, I don't know why all these years I thought Bebe's Kids was a Sinbad routine. But yeah, no, absolutely, that's Robin Harris. Crazy. All right, and finally for movies, the 10th Golden Raspberry Awards were held on March 25th at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel and Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, won three awards, including Worst Picture. Is that,
0: is is five the one that's like, why does God need a spaceship?
1: No, that was the whale. Star Trek V was the whale.
0: Oh, oh really?
1: Been, Odd, of that's the odd-numbered
2: it. ones, I think it is fairly maligned.
1: Yeah, it had more humor than most Star Treks.
2: Wait, I thought the whale was the voyage home.
3: Yeah, I thought the whale was part four. Wasn't that the voyage home? What was the undiscovered country? Six. That's one about Canada.
1: Star Trek five and a half. The whaling. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I would. I, I assumed it was. A thing. I don't know. The hang
2: yeah, on. You would up. be right. We're looking it up. Okay. This is this is after the voyage home. Yeah, this is the one about God at the center of the galaxy. Mike was right.
0: Yeah. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is this is the one where they were supposed to have Michelle Nichols like. At the top of the she was supposed to like distract whoever it was, and they had her like doing like a feather dance at the top of the hill, but it was a completely different person, completely different body that was like 50 years younger, and they backlit everything so you couldn't tell who it was. Huh. Hmm. There's certain portions of movies stand out to me for (laughs) reasons.
1: Explains why you like feathers. Yeah. Wow, Shatner
2: conceived his idea for this film's story before he was officially given the director's job. His inspiration
0: was televangelists.
1: Okay. Nothing good ever comes from being inspired by televangelists.
0: I can't argue that, really. Yeah. All right, so TV. Top shows in the land were Cheers, 60 Minutes, Roseanne, and A Different World, who jumped off a balcony.
1: There doesn't have to be death in every bullet point.
0: Oh, okay. shit. <laughs> All right. On March 21st, two sitcoms debuted A Normal Life, starring Moon Unit and Dweezil Zappa, and Sydney, starring Valley Bertinelli. Four days later, The Outsiders premiered. I wasn't even aware The Outsiders was a TV show. No, me either. I vaguely remember Sydney. I don't remember any of those. Like The Outsiders, based off the movie? Yeah,
1: and the S.E. The the Hinton book. Yeah.
0: Huh. Must be, yeah.
3: Is it? I'm looking yeah, at
1: it it's one. It's 100%, yeah. I just didn't even know it had been made into a TV show.
3: A follow-up to the novel and film of the same name focusing on a group of troubled teens in 1960s Oklahoma. David Cat was
0: in it? We got to find... I I not think I want them to redo The Outsiders, but we got to find a reason to watch The Outsiders for the show. I mean, the, the cast. C. Thomas Howell, Matt Dillon, Ralph Macchio, Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Emilio Estevez, and Tom Cruise.
3: Yeah, but in the TV series, David Arquette, Billy Bob Thornton, and Ooh. Patricia Arquette. And no C.
2: Thomas Howell. <laughs> right? <laughs> Julie
0: Warner, Stephen Dorff. Poor C. Thomas Howell. What's he doing
3: now? Michael Madsen. Jesus. There's a lot of people on this
0: show. So moving on. Shows that ended this week were Scrabble, Elf. And the acronym of the week, which is TBSC. I'm pretty sure that just stands for Terry Bradshaw Sucking Cock.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oddly enough, I'd watch that.
0: Yeah, we know. Joel, we know you'd watch pretty much anything. But unfortunately, Josh is uh, 248 for 248 loss on this one. That was actually the Babysitter's Club.
3: Wouldn't watch that. Yeah. the Jerry Bradshaw. Oh. Ter- would, you, Ter- would
1: you watch the Babysitter Sucks Cock?
3: I've seen that. Wait, which one?
1: <laughs> All right, now
0: we're on a list. Or oh, you're list. on a list. I'm yeah. on. A list? Hell yeah. I am the list. They don't call me Saki for nothing. Rene Enriquez was a Nicaraguan-born American television actor of the 70s and 1980s. He is best remembered for his role as Lieutenant Ray calentano in the long-running television series hill street blues Uh uh-oh he died on march 23rd originally reported to have died of pancreatic cancer later reports based on the publication of his death certificate indicated that he died of complications caused by aids
3: he died on feminista damn
1: it and moving on to sports Thomas Dudley Harmon, sometimes known by the nickname Old 98, was an American football player, military pilot, actor, and sports broadcaster. Harmon grew up in Gary, Indiana, and played college football at the halfback position for the University of Michigan from 1938 to 1940. He led the nation in scoring and was a consensus All-American in both 1939 and 1940, and won the Heisman Trophy, the Maxwell Award, and the Associated Press Athlete of the Year Award in 1940. He was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1954. During World War II, Harmon served as a pilot in the Air Force, and he was the sole survivor of the crash of a bomber he piloted, and six months later, he was shot down in a dogfight with Japanese Zeros. After the war, Harmon played two seasons of professional football for the Los Angeles Rams. He later pursued a career in sports broadcasting and worked for CBS from 1950 to 1962. He also handled play-by-play responsibility on broadcasts of UCLA football games in the 60s and 70s. On March 15th, Harmon suffered a heart attack at the Amanda Travel Agency in West Los Angeles after winning a golf tournament at the Bel Air Country Club. He was taken to UCLA Medical Center where he died at age 70. That is a man. (laughs) Oh my God, yeah. I'm, I'm reading. So
0: in 1943... Army bomber piloted by Harmon, nicknamed Old Ninety Eight because of his jersey number, they crashed into the South American jungle en route to North Africa. Out of a crew of six, he was a sole survivor and spent several days working his way through the jungles and swamps. Ultimately, he came upon natives in Dutch Guiana who escorted him out in a dugout canoe to a village, where he was taken by outrigger canoe to the Antilles Air Command. Good God. Dude was a badass. And he's got a purple heart and a silver star. And some green clovers. Blue diamonds. Yellow moons. And purple rainbows. (laughs) You're not going to guess my lucky charms?
1: (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, the 1990 PGA Players Championship was held March 15th through the 18th at TPC Sawgrass in Ponte Verde Beach. It was a 17th Players' Championship, and Jody Mudd won the title one stroke ahead of runner up Mark Calvavecchia. Calcavecchia. Cal- Cappuccino. Cap- Cappuccino. Mark.
0: Let's just go with Mark Cappuccino.
1: <laughs> and that's it for the tweet. Play us off, Keyboard
0: Joel. Okay, so cover songs. It seems like forever ago that we did the original cover song show and we decided it was about that time to put another music show into the rotation. So we have chosen four songs and their covers. Eight and
2: eight songs.
0: Two songs yeah. each. Two yeah. songs each. Yeah,
1: four songs and their covers. Well, it's two songs and their covers or it's four songs total each. It's not it's not four oh,
0: songs. Oh, okay. We have chosen four songs, and then and then their covers, so that's eight. Per? Whatever. <laughs> There's pod- 16 total songs. I'm a podcaster, not a mathematician, damn it.
2: Several of these songs have something in common, though. Not all of them, but several of them have something interesting in common. Ooh. Josh has some. Uh... Well, yeah, I pointed this out when we were drafting them. That one of yours, one of Pat's, and both of mine, uh, I'll have one feature in common.
0: What will that feature be?
2: Oh, uh, they were already covers when we do the then as popular songs. No, I was gonna go read the
0: book, but that's okay. All right, there's a book.
1: Uh, there is a book. The first cover songs episode was uh 187. Hmm. Oh my God. Long time yeah. ago. Yikes.
3: And then we did the Weezer's ep- Weezer episode that was all covers.
0: Yeah. They were all Weezer. Weezer covers. All right. So we I drafted this one and I pulled first pick. So my first pick is Tainted Love by Soft Cell.
1: Interesting fact, this was the song that stayed in the top 40 for the most amount of weeks in the 1980s. Really? Yep. Huh. You'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that doesn't know this song.
3: Oh, no. Didn't you play another song by them after we were talking about Soft Cell, and did they make any other songs?
0: The thing (laughs) is about Soft Cell is that this was like... Okay, first off, it's a cover of a cover. So... This song was actually done by Gloria Jones in 1964. Now, who is Gloria Jones? Believe it or not, also paired up with T-Rex. Of all ridiculousness and wound up with T-Rex, the glam rock band later on. Hmm. That's wild, isn't it? Hmm. But Tainted Love was written by the band The Four Preps which were a pop uh, male 1950s 60s 70s quartet band they had eight gold singles three gold albums and they're known for songs such as i i'm sure i would know this if i heard it but 26 miles santa catalina big man and down by the station i picked this one because one everybody knows it and two it's a cover of a cover and has an amazingly weird background
2: on it yeah i love this song this is actually one of the songs that i have done karaoke several times in fact it was one of the very first karaoke songs i ever did really yep that's fantastic
3: this is also one of those songs where when you hear it you're kind of immediately transported back to a specific time whenever i hear this song i'm like i i remember being a kid and hearing this on the radio and i you know i still sing along with it every time it comes on
4: hmm
0: it's a great song. And then it's the, the funny thing about it is it's a cover for cover and then it merges into. Oh, crap. What's the other song that covers in the same thing? Baby, baby. Where did our love go? I thought you were singing Justin Bieber. On the, on the extended version.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That the, the break. That's my favorite version where yeah. it suddenly breaks into a very low key version of uh, where did our love go? Yeah.
0: And soft sell. You know what? I one Your other stuff is really kind of good for the new wave tech type time that you were trying to do. Unfortunately, this is the biggest song that you've ever had, and it's nothing like anything else you ever did in any of your discographies. But at the same time, feel happy, Soft Cell, because literally everybody knows this song. I remember when it was featured on a commercial. Mm.
2: Like, I, I think someone was operating... And there's the beep, beep, mm. and then all the guys in the operating room start singing along. Oh my God, I remember that commercial,
0: yeah
3: that's pretty pretty safe to say that not everybody but a good, large segment of the population is going to know the song across lots
0: of age groups. Ninety percent of them are all going to start singing along with it so
1: but I mean you you could still play this song in clubs today and get people excited.
3: Yeah, that's crazy, and that's that's you know testament to the power of the song. But
2: all right, next up we've got my first pick for then. Uh, it's Sublime from their self-titled album, song called "Doing Time." Okay, so I am a pretty big fan of Sublime's final album. This song was picked not only because it's a cover, but it's probably my second or third favorite on the album. And it does have another kind of wacky story similar to uh, what Mike was talking about his. This song is called Due in Time, and originally the uh, refrain was sung as Due in Time. But it's also another cover of a cover. that stretches all the way back to the opera Porgy and Bess. There was this uh, jazzy version of Porgy and Bess that they sampled. That note you kind of had, dum, dum, dum. They got permission to use the sample on the album, but the estate of the guy who recorded that particular bit that they were sampling, had one request, one thing that in order to give them the rights, they were going to insist that instead of singing Due in Time, they would have to sing Summertime. Problem, by the time the rights got sorted out, the lead singer of Sublime Bradley had died. So one of their big hits, the word of the refrain and the title of the song was sung by somebody else. They had to go in and record back over it. That's crazy. Yeah, that's not actually Bradley singing the word summertime. Huh. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah, I'm like really into this album. I'm I'm surprised that's actually never come up. I love
3: Sublime, and they're just this great combination of, of different musical genres kind of blended together in this little perfect package. And yeah, it was sad to see Bradley go so soon, but. That whole album just kind of epitomizes the early years of college.
2: Yeah, you got a little bit of reggae, some surf rock, some rap.
0: Yeah, it's great driving music. This one's just like like a cruising around, windows open in the summertime thing, just chilling music. I'm curious,
2: Pat, how do you feel about Sublime? Oh, I like them a lot. Oh,
0: good, because it,
2: typically you have a history, as we'll come back to not so uh, long in. When reggae is incorporated into other musical styles, usually you're like, fuck all this.
1: Well, I don't like reggae that is done by talentless hacks.
0: Ah. That's where the line is.
2: Yes. <laughs> Red Fred wine, it makes me feel so fine. Oh, shut up. That
0: song is awful. <laughs> Do not speak ill. UB40, UB
1: shitty is what they should have been called. I was talking about Neil Diamond, man. Oh, yeah. I
2: was going for UB40 because I knew it would set him off. Yeah.
1: (laughs) UB40, that fucking band.
0: Shut up. You got a a lot of anger.
1: You shut up too.
0: In really weird places. That's the thing. (laughs) All right, who's next?
1: I am next. I chose an old Irish standard. Whiskey in the Jar but I, I chose Metallica's version. I just I don't know. I mean I've always liked this song. I was introduced to it by an ex and ever since then it's been one of my favorite Metallica songs. The devil
4: take that woman. Yeah, but you know she-
1: Yeah, I mean, I really like the song Whiskey in the Jar, and uh, even though this is the version that is least like the Irish folk song that it is, it's my favorite version.
2: I'm right there with you. I don't think you guys actually, any of you know this. I'm such a big fan of this song. I actually based a role-playing game character's background on this. Wow, what? neat. Really? Yeah, seven. Seventh Sea, my character was a highwayman with double pistols, whose arch nemesis was a British Army captain named Captain Farrell, who he'd robbed. That's fantastic. Hmm. Yeah, he even had a a girl named Molly that had betrayed him in the course of the background.
1: That was going to be my next question. Yep. Huh.
0: So history suggests that this song originated in the 17th century.
1: Yeah, this, this is an old Irish song. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's, and based on plot similarities of John Gay's 1728 Beggar's Opera. Hmm.
5: Didn't know that. Hmm. I didn't
3: know it went back that far.
1: But I just think this song, it it's a great song. It rocks. And uh, the video, if you haven't had a chance to watch the video, the video is actually pretty funny. Huh. They got their whole setup in the downstairs of a three-story house party. And basically, through the course of the whole video, the entire house just gets trashed like a rock star would trash it. It's a, it's a fun video.
0: Now, here's just tossing this out there. This this song has also been covered by Jerry Garcia and Thin Lizzy. <laughs> it's, been,
1: it's been covered by a lot of people.
2: Yeah, the Thin Lizzy version, I think, is the one that they cite in their liner notes as the one they are covering. It doesn't sound very much like the Thin Lizzy version, but that's their inspiration for this cover.
3: Cool. That makes sense. You know, if they're one of their inspirations or one of the bands they liked, you know, before they came up. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. It is a great freaking song. though. I agree with you, Pat. This one's this is one of those songs where it comes on again when you're driving. And whereas Summertime is one of those where you slow down, you just enjoy the day. This is one of those where it comes on and you look down to realize you're doing 120.
1: Yep. I've had that literally happen to me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Joel. Yo. Surprise us. Uh,
3: Boo. Boo. All right, so for my first song, uh, we're going with a band that I actually, I mean, I I know a couple songs, this being one of them. What? I can't say I'm a fan. I respect them, um, especially David Byrne. My first song is The Talking Heads, Burning Down the House.
2: Not already a cover. Combo Breaker. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So the song originally started out as a, like a a jam, like they were just jamming, doing practice and David had gone to see the uh, Parliament Funkadelic just previously. And during the show, they kept yelling, burn down the house, which was apparently an audience chant during their shows. So as they were jamming and he was yelling nonsense words, he started then using burning down the house as the chorus wrote lyrics around it and there you go there's a song a hit song nonetheless the this song like reminds me specifically the first time i heard it i was at my cousin's house they lived in in lincoln nebraska at the time and i remember hearing it and i dug it and i, I still dig it it's a good song
1: it's a fun it's, it's a fun song it really is I always end up
2: bopping my head along with it. Like this isn't one that's like in my personal music collection, but I'd never switch it. Like I wouldn't switch the radio ever if it came on.
0: I don't think any of you will be surprised by this, but I own every Talking Heads album that's been produced.
2: That sounds right. I mean, they're they're kind of New Wave too, aren't they?
0: Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, very New Wave. I was going to say,
2: New Wave is sort of your wheelhouse.
0: Yeah, that was, I mean, that goes back to when we were doing the um, the metal show. You know, when you guys were like Metallica and this, that, and the other, and I'm like, oh, the Church. And you're, and you guys, <laughs> and that show, you guys, were like, dude, you, you're, not, you weren't metal, you were new wave. Yeah, and then I was sad.
3: That that's kind of always where we end up back with you because that's that's your thing, and that's cool. Yeah. Everybody's uh-huh. got their thing.
1: And since the, the talking heads have come up, I I want to talk about real quick. Uh, I think I brought this up in one other show, but one of my favorite music trivia. Facts of all time is the Talking Heads have never had a number one hit, but their backup band has. What was the ba- the The Tom, Tom Club. It was c- comprised of all members of the Talking Heads except for David Byrne. What? Yep. And the song The Genius of Love went to number one.
0: That is... Aw, uh, poor David Byrne.
2: <laughs> Him in his big suit. Yeah. Wow. We got one surprising fact per song for the first
0: four songs. <laughs> we totally do. All right. Who's next? That's me, I think. Is it? Yes. Yes. Yep. All right. So, not surprisingly, for one of my thens, my choice for a cover song is Never Tear Us Apart by In Excess. Why? Because I'm a huge In Excess fan. Why did I choose this song? And I said this before, because one, I am a huge In Excess fan, which is not something you hear people say often. Except for you. Except for me. Yep. Two, this song is like the soul of Michael Hutchinson's abilities. It This, this is a beautiful song. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I mean, Michael in this one just draws out the emotion and... This is actually, when Michael Hutchins died in 97, they carried his coffin out of the cathedral while his younger brother played and sang Never Tear Us Apart in the background. Damn. Yeah. Yikes. I know. I think in the way of ballads and that sort of thing for for this, this is probably my number one in excess ballad. Just...
1: Well, the song itself is so beautiful. The lyrics are amazing. Like that, I make wine from your tears, and yeah. you know, we all have wings, but some of us don't know why. Just, I mean, it's just lyrically, it's very pretty, and melodically, it's very pretty. It's just well sung. Every, it's a great song.
0: Yeah, and then and then if you get a good orchestrated version of it, I mean, with the saxophone and the violins and everything, it's one of those pull your soul out type of songs. I agree. I was
2: looking at the track listing for Kick, and I think I like. Pretty much every song on that album, mm-hmm. and I'm not a huge NXS fan, but like all every song I recognize are, are ones that I like. Yeah, Kick was an amazing album for them. But there you go. All right i I, I guess we're on to my uh, second choice, which was mm-hmm. only half chosen explicitly to annoy Pat. <laughs> uh, we, we were talking a little bit about this earlier. This is Lean On Me, the Club Nouveau version. Another. Cover that was already a cover. Oh, stop it. So I, I kind of feel like I have to defend myself on this pick. Uh, you do not. Agreed. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> I will be the fir- second to admit, eh, because Pat will be the first to admit, that this is not the <laughs> best version of this song. Not at all, but it is the most fun version of that. I, I would agree with that. And for me, it was the first version of the song. I had not yet discovered Bill Withers at this point in my life, but this was a radio track and I loved this song. This was the first time I had encountered any version of Lean On Me. So for me, it's the formative definitive version.
0: See, and I cannot argue with the with the fact that you heard this and then from this discovered Bill Withers. So it's all good.
2: Yeah, I probably didn't even know who Bill Withers was, like, as a name until I discovered Ain't No Sunshine. But when I went back and realized he was the one that, re- that recorded the original Lean On Me, and then started uh, digging deeper and deeper into other songs I'd heard on the radio that are part of his catalog, like, I'm a much bigger Bill Withers fan than I am a Club Nouveau fan, but <laughs> Lean On <laughs> Me, like, the Club Nouveau version is my first version. Yeah. Of a classic song
1: it's amazing to me how how this song starts off good like the first 30 seconds to the piano and the and the chorus, you know the choral group and everything and just progressively just gets worse until it gets into the we be jamming we be jamming (laughs) my i mean it just falls off a cliff and keeps rolling and just uh
3: rolling into a big ball of thunder I like this song. I, it, this is one of my kind of like one of my happy place songs. You know, you're having a bad day or whatever, you put this on unless you're Patrick. It just makes you go, yeah, I feel better now. And it's just a fun song.
0: This is a fun song. It's not a great song. It's a fun song. And it is also, ready, Pat? This won <laughs> a Grammy for the best rhythm and blues song in 1987. What a joke.
1: I mean, Millie Vanilli won a Grammy, too, so, you know.
5: I don't not, like the that's not,
1: that's not exactly a, you know, assuring sign of greatness. That is all I'm saying.
2: I mean, whoever was really singing for Millie Vanilli, they were pretty good, man.
1: Yeah. Oh, I get it. Yeah, I know. But I'm just, there's a lot of people that have won Grammys that suck. And Millie and Vanilli. Phil Collins has a ton of Grammys.
0: Oh, my God. Why won't you leave poor Phil alone? <laughs>
1: I think Phil's doing just fine despite my criticism.
0: I'm sure he is. See, the thing is it's it's I, I agree with Josh. This is a fun song. But it's not good. It doesn't fun does not need to be a fun song does not need to be good to be enjoyable. It, it
1: helps. It, that, that's what makes it that's part of what makes it fun. If it's nah. not good, it, no, it just I'm sure you probably love don't worry, be happy too. Oh I hope, did
2: love don't, don't worry do be you happy. Do you
1: not speak ill? Bobby McFerrin. I I have to concur as well. Well, I like Bobby McFerrin. I don't like Don't Worry Be Happy.
3: It's a fun song, though. It's catchy.
1: Okay, okay. You put that on a
0: road trip that excludes you, everybody (laughs) in the car is singing.
2: Dare I say
0: it
1: slaps? (laughs)
2: Saki approves.
1: It does not slap. This is a slapless song.
0: (gasps) All right. After the controversy of that, Uh, who's next? Joel, Josh,
1: me, you. Oh, geez. I chose one of my favorite. Yes, I guess. New wave. I I, I, I mean, yeah, there would be at
0: this point. They'd be still be considered new wave.
1: Yeah. But they I mean, they're very hard to put into a genre because they have a lot of different types of music. But um, I've seen them in concert twice. And they're some of the best concerts I've ever been to and this is one of the my favorite songs of theirs in concert. The concert versions are better than the studio versions. Usually, this is Depeche Mode's Personal Jesus.
3: I'm going to be singing that the rest of the night.
0: I love that song. That's a very catchy song. It is a great freaking song.
3: Wasn't Shane in college, like, really into Depeche Mode? Yes. Yes.
0: So
1: so much so that that the only D&D game he ever played, his elf, was named Depeche.
0: Yep, I remember that. This song is actually, well, some spoilers if you listen, but has actually been covered by Tori Amos, Marilyn Manson, Def Leppard, Johnny Cash, and Sammy Hagar.
3: I don't know that I want to hear the Sammy Hagar version.
1: Right?
2: I kind of do. Every once in a while, you'll get one of those that surprises you. There are a couple of picks in the second half of the show that surprised me.
1: One of my favorite things about this song is uh, in one of Depeche Mode's, Angela was a huge Depeche Mode fan. It's her, her favorite well-known band, favorite popular band. She sees them literally every time they go on tour. And she had DVDs of their live tours. And... There was one particular point in one of the concerts, you know, that has a line in there, reach out, touch Faith. Well, there was a woman in the front row, had a big old sign, said, reach out, touch Dave. The lead singer's name is Dave gone. So mm-hmm. like, he went down there and like, got on his knees in front of her and she like rubbed her hands on his chest and she freaked out. Like.
0: <laughs> you know, I got to give these guys credit because they are still cranking. Yeah. Yep. yep. You know, and they're, from what I understand, they're one of my, on my list of concerts I need to see. And I've heard every single time they have a concert. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Every, every time I've seen them, I've seen them twice and I've seen a ton of their concert footage. And yeah, their concerts are a lot of fun. They're really well done and really awesome. You
0: know what this, this song actually makes me remember of? Because in this year, I was a camp counselor during that summer and we had to haul a bunch of stuff out to we we were like camping out in like mash tents, like a mile and a half out from where the actual campground was. And we packed up the truck so full of stuff that nobody could fit into it. So we all, uh, me and a couple other guys hung off the back tailgate, like standing on the bumper and holding on. Oh my. Yeah, that was fun. Unfortunately, the guy who was driving the truck didn't stay on the road and he drove right through the middle of the field, hit a bump in the field and this was cranking on the radio while it was happening. And when they hit the bump, I lost my grip and flew off the back end of the tailgate and landed in an <laughs> yeah. itch.
1: Right. You know, so this was the soundtrack of
0: my death. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and all, all I remember is. <laughs> I'm
3: just imagining like, if this was in a TV show or a movie, he would be flying off and you hear. Reach out and touch Faith, but it just stops. Yeah. As he as he's hitting the ground. And
0: I black out and they come back an hour later to find me. I take that back. That summer sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, All right. so to close out the then, we have got Joel's choice, which is My final choice
3: out of left field. Well maybe not so much. I've chosen the Ramones, a Blitzkrieg Bop.
4: I, oh
3: So uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the term Blitzkrieg, it's German for lightning war or or a tactic in World War II, and the song was written by the drummer Tommy Ramone while bassist Dee Dee Ramone came up with the title. It was originally called Animal Hop, which is a (laughs) terrible title. Dee Dee also changed one line. The verse, shoot him in the back now, was originally shouting in the back now, and it's never really been revealed why he changed the lyrics, but... This is one of those bands, you know, it's kind of that four chords, no waiting. Like if you throw it on, (laughs) you know, all the songs are about two and a half minutes. They're all vaguely similar, but not the same. And just, they're kind of a fascinating band. I watched a documentary on them and I just was kind of enthralled by everything surrounding them and, and New York at the time when they were coming up and it's just one of those kind of bands that sometimes i'm just in the mood to to hear some loud kind of snotty american old school kind of punky rock and it always it always fits the bill
1: well there's a reason why this song is played at stadiums and and football games and basketball games and everything because this song will get you fucking revved up and jazzed up i was jazzed up
2: i have (laughs) a confession to make okay i didn't know i knew this song because I thought the song was called Hey Ho, Let's Go. (laughs) (laughs) In my defense, that's what the album is called, that this song is on. Yep. So Mm -hmm. I just thought that was the name of the song. So when I saw it in this, I was like, what the fuck is Blitzkrieg Bop? I thought it's another weird Joel choice.
3: Well.
1: Well, which is, I mean, you're not wrong in assuming that. Now, another thing
0: out here is, is this was the debut single for the Ramones.
3: It's a hell of a way to come out of the gates.
0: I know. Seriously, this is and the Ramones. I like to classify them as a don't give a shit band. We're doing what we do. We're enjoying what we're doing. And if you don't like it, we don't give a shit.
3: I'd say that's a fair cop.
1: Yeah, they, they embrace the whole punk mentality.
3: Yeah, they really do. Speaking of the chant Josh was talking about. Fun little fact here. Tommy Ramone told about the chant in Ramone's soundtrack of our lives, written by, I'm not going to say that name because I'm going to butcher it. I came up with the chant walking home from the grocery store carrying a bag of groceries. It was based on the line, Hi Ho's nipped her toes from the song Walking the Dog by Rufus Thomas. <laughs> I don't know how he got, Hey Ho, let's go from Hi Ho's nipped her toes. I guess
0: sort of similar. You, you've said stranger stuff sober, so.
3: That's, that's true. Yeah, for a yeah. guy doesn't drink, I say a lot of stupid shit.
0: I'm not going to argue that, really. Ramones will stay in pretty much any playlist that I make that is involving going anywhere for a long period of time. The Ramones will show up at least twice, two or three times on the list. It's it, they're, they're fun. They don't care. They're out there playing, have music, play music because they enjoy it and they want you to have a good time, too.
3: And it's easy to sing along with. If you don't know the words, just do the chant parts.
0: Exactly.
3: Or mumble through it. You'll probably get something right.
0: True. And then you can move into the KKK took my girlfriend away. (laughs) I love that song. It's a great freaking song. (laughs) Yeah. So that is the then.
2: All right. So uh, yeah, I guess we're going to come back and do uh, all the covers of the eight songs you just heard. Exactly. We're going to
0: be back in a little bit, and we are going to. Start out at the top of the roster with a tainted love by who? Who could it possibly be?
2: By the who? By what?
0: the who?
5: No. Kenny Rogers? What? Maybe. Come back, Kenny. Aw. No, I'm sad. I miss your
3: chicken and your musk. Ew. What?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a Seinfeld anchorman man meshing right there
3: <laughs> and it hits you on your sweet spot
1: yep <laughs> alright
0: we'll be back in a bit for the uh, second half of the cover show part 2
1: 3 whatever <laughs> part 2 of the third show yes
0: <laughs> right we are back so who has covered the songs that we went over in the then who has covered whiskey in the jar who has covered never tear us apart who has covered lean on me and blitzkrieg bop you will find out now starting with my first pick tainted love by marilyn manson All right, so why did I pick this? Because I like Marilyn Manson, but only when he's covering somebody else's socks. Hmm.
2: When I first listened to this, I was not sure I liked it. But one of the things I, I use is like my measuring stick for a brand new cover that I'm encountering for the first time, is, like, if I'd heard this in the soundtrack to a movie, would it probably have blown my mind if paired with the right scene? And for this, the answer is definitely
0: yes. This actually premiered and was added into the Not Another Teen movie.
1: Which explains the video.
0: Yeah. And bunnies. It's envisioning a good movie, but... Nah... <laughs> I love his covers of stuff. He did covers of Sweet Dreams or made of this all the way down to Danny Elfman's This is Halloween. That's a great cover, by the way. I know, right? And even <laughs> he covered You're So Vain by Carly Simon. Oh, huh. yeah. He has done a ton of something that I'm looking for. I got I to find it. But he covered Personal Jesus, which you've is another one that we talked about. But Put a Little Love in Your Heart is another one that he's covered.
3: I'd like to hear that.
0: Not not now, but I'd like to hear that. He's also covered It's a Small World. I th- think he just made this song one step above and made it completely rock out on this one.
3: I have an interesting relationship with Marilyn Manson, not in a real-world sense, but just in a... I respect the guy. He's, he's talented. He definitely does his own thing. He seems pretty intelligent, for the most part. He's an interesting actor.
0: He knows how to market himself.
3: Yes. And I've been listening to him on and off since portrait of an American family back in 94. And I've never bought an album of his. I I've never like gone to see him, but I won't necessarily turn off a song if it's on. And since meeting Laura, she's a huge fan of, of Marilyn Manson and has gone to see him a couple of times with Rob Zombie. And so I hear him a lot more now than I used to. And you know, I like it, but definitely I agree with you, Mike, the covers I've heard him do so far. I've liked all of them. Yeah. And I don't like all of his songs
0: for the record. If you want to hear some really good covers of his, I mean, this is one that I I just wrote, but there's another one. He did a cover of cry little sister from uh, lost boys. I could see that. Dig that one up. And as a quote, Gimp gothically inclined male person, um, he, he's safe enough for me to listen to in the car, you know, (laughs) And I just really dig the industrial punk goth move that he puts into this song. So
1: Patrick, no. I like Marilyn Manson more as a person than I do as an artist. Really? Okay. I don't dislike him. I just, I, most of his stuff. I'm just kind of like, yeah, all right. That's a Marilyn Manson song. He's got a very obvious sound. Mm-hmm. If you were
0: to give me a choice between this and beautiful people, I would choose this. Oh, for sure. So
2: beautiful people is like what? What would Voldo from Soul Calibur, What kind of music would he make? <laughs> the beautiful pizza, the beautiful pizza. No, nah, no, nah, nah.
1: I don't know. I like beautiful people more than I like this song.
0: No, it's not really. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
1: I didn't. I didn't really care for this. I didn't hate it, but I didn't care for it. It, was, it just seemed kind of. Yeah. Okay. Well, you you did a cover song of this. Okay. Okay. That's. Just, I mean, like I said, I didn't hate it. It just. No. It didn't really strike me.
0: I mean, you like it better, obviously like it better than Club Nouveau, so that's all right.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. So, number two, Summertime doing Time by who, Josh? This is going to be the cover by Lana Del Rey.
2: Huh. I was really surprised when I caught a few notes of this on the radio because I, I like Lana Del Rey. I recognize her voice immediately, and a lot of people, when this dropped were not familiar with the Sublime Trap because it was a hit but it was like their fourth or fifth biggest hit a long time ago there's not a huge amount of crossover between lana del rey fans and sublime fans and uh yeah i heard it on the radio i was like is that what what
3: <laughs> i didn't know this existed until you brought it up
2: so here we go
4: summertime and the easy. on the microphone with Ross and G. all the people
2: Now, this is really interesting to me because she did a complete, sh- just a straight cover, still referring to Bradley, Louie Dog, and the Long Beach crew. But, I mean, she puts her own style onto it and has this sort of soul haunting twist that she's known for, and it gives the song a
0: totally different feel. I- I'm into it. I don't like it better than the original, but I really dig it. I am with you on this one. Honestly, it, when I heard this one, I thought you make Lana Del Rey smoke a pack of cigarettes. And she would be Portishead. (laughs) It's I don't know if I feel good or bad. The fact that you're the only one that laughs that (laughs) she's got this kind of like lounge vibe that she puts to the song and it's great. I dug it. It's another one of those cool. I mean, like not driving music, but sitting in the living room, sitting and just chilling while drinking a Manhattan type of music. I really like this one. This, she covered it and kept the soul of the song intact. Windows
3: open, nice kind of cool breeze coming in. Oh,
1: yeah. This is literally the first time I've ever heard a Lana Del Rey song. Oh, All of her stuff has
2: that sort of like throwback to like 50s Hollywood glamour with kind of a depressed edge to it. I think you might actually like some of her, her stuff. You should listen to it.
1: Yeah, She, she kind of sounds like uh, reminds me of an Amy Winehouse that I would like. Yeah, that's... Uh, I would say that's accurate. I'm going to look up more of her stuff. Yeah.
3: I was curious when I saw this pop up because it's, it's a great song, but it's, it does have so many kind of referential things to sublime specifically. I was like, is she just going to redo summertime from Porky and best, or is she going to do this and tweak it to make it her own? But it was kind of an interesting choice to keep it true to the original lyrics and not, adjust it but it still works
1: I prefer when, when when you cover a song and you keep the lyrics the same like Counting Crows when he did Big Yellow Taxi I thought it just really sucked how he turned it around and changed the, the lyrics and stuff it's Like if you're going to do that just don't do the song
2: yeah and she stayed true to her own like it, it is the same melody it's the exact same lyrics but it's definitely a Lana Del Rey song hmm I thought that was really cool the way she pulled that off
3: and it works mm-hmm
5: It works with her style for sure.
0: So Lana Del Rey and moving into the next one up, we had Whiskey in a Jar with Patrick's Choice. Now, Patrick, who have you chosen for your cover for the now?
1: I went a little bit more towards the traditional Irish version of the song for my remake. Uh, This is a band called Gaelic Storm. Uh, A lot of people don't know them by name, but... If you tell people they're with a steerage band in Titanic, then they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So they're a very talented group of a couple, a couple of the guys are actually from Ireland. They used to all be from Ireland, but they've kind of, some of them have kind of fallen out of the band and they had created some non-Irish people, but they do a lot of classic Irish folk songs and with modernized versions and stuff. And I really, I I like them. I own uh, all their CDs and i've seen him in concert once and i'm probably going to see him when they come to houston in november hopefully
3: Hmm. learning something about patrick yep now i hear it <laughs> that that's exactly my thoughts when i heard this version is okay now i get it cuz i've heard the metallica version before but hearing it in more of a traditional sense it makes a lot more sense
1: what makes a lot more sense
3: just the the feel of it the lyrics the you know i could like i felt like i was you know like i'm in an irish pub Gotcha. And a bunch of guys, you know, they're up on stage and all the crowds sing along because they know it. And I'm the guy that's from the United States going, oh, yeah, I know that Metallica song, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I uh massively prefer the Metallica version to any of the traditional versions. I-, I do have to say about the way the lyrics have reverted back. I prefer the story told in this version. The change from Jenny to Molly was kind of silly because like Jenny is the traditional name for a prostitute. Like it's slang. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, like, the story is actually just more detailed, like, if you listen to the whole thing.
0: It definitely is. Now, I love this song, mainly because of the metallic cover. Also, if you're out, I think it was... I've seen this played live by Celtic Sounds. They're a band out of Elburn, out, out west out here. And back when the CLADA uh, Irish pub was still around they used to have a New Year's Eve party and the Celtic sounds would play them and they played this there if I remember correctly it's a fun song yeah I mean it tells a story and it's it's got the chorus that everybody can sing along with it's great stuff it's historical Irish shanties type of thing I dig it
1: and there's a there's a ton of cover versions of it
0: oh I'm sure so we've gone from whiskey in the jar to burning down the house. On this one is Joel. Joel, who have you picked for your, for your uh, now cover?
3: All right. So for this version, this is by The Used. Now, it's no secret, uh, this is one of, if not my favorite band, and this uh, appeared on the cover to Revolution in Sound, which was a cover album by a bunch of different artists, and it also was featured in <laughs> Transformers' Revenge of the Fallen. It's actually their second song they've given to a Transformers soundtrack. They did a Pretty Handsome Awkward for the first film. So, I have a feeling that uh, Patrick isn't going to like this song.
1: Oh, your feeling is correct. I was
0: going to say, Patrick, uh, would you like to do the honors? Or <laughs> <laughs> this is not good. The, when I heard uh, Joel, I love you as a brother, but when I heard this song, I said the only thing that would make this worse is connecting it to a Michael Bay movie. And guess what? Chicken butt.
1: It's in a Michael Bay movie.
0: <laughs> it's totally a Michael Bay movie.
1: What What is the opposite of slapping? This punches. I, think... I
2: thought the worst thing about Transformers Two was Transformers Two.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. This wasn't even Transformers. This is Revenge of the Fallen. This is like four. Oh. oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So, I
3: mean, just critically speaking, what is it that uh, that doesn't appeal? Like
1: he's not singing. He's shouting. The distortion is way too much. They didn't change enough of the song in a good way. All they did was make everything worse. Pick any one of those.
3: I mean, I knew you weren't going to like it. I mean, that was a given. And I didn't know how the other
2: guys would feel, but. I knew Patrick was going to dislike it more than I did.
0: (laughs) But I did not like it. And that's okay. I I was looking to find this on YouTube, and it took me three tries to find it before I realized that the opening first 15 seconds of the song were actually meant to sound like that. I just thought it was a bad recording.
2: Yeah. I, and I was actually kind of excited for this
1: version.
0: I'm not going to lie. Like, I, I don't hate the used,
2: but not a fan.
1: Yeah, I've heard other songs of theirs that I didn't, that, that I, I might have even liked. But, I mean, this one was just not good.
3: That's kind of where I figured it would land. That, that's usually what happens. But <laughs> that's all right. You guys don't have to like them. They got it's the reason
0: them. it was the couch gag.
3: <laughs> it's... I love them. I have not a song of theirs that I don't like.
0: No, I mean, and I, I wanted to because I did listen. I did. I was like, first time I watched the video, I looked it up on like YouTube for it. And it's like, oh, maybe it was just a bad recording and went to the other one. And I think it's just like his whole idea behind this song was turn everything up to 11. And that was it.
1: This was like if Ed Hardy had a theme song.
0: Oh, my God, dude, that's harsh is <laughs> he totally wrong though no I'm not saying he's wrong I'm just saying he's a dick for saying it out loud <laughs> alright let's, let's stop
2: stomping on Joel yeah. right. <laughs> Joel's
1: crying George,
2: I'm used to
3: it
1: put your mouth down on this curb real quick
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <Jesus. laughs> Edward alright before we get, before we curb stomp Joel I am the next one up I have uh, Never Tear Us Apart originally by In Excess this one is actually a cover by Joe Cocker. Why did I choose Joe Cocker for this? Because in listening to remakes of this song and covers of the song, everyone leaned into like, uh, I forget who was it? Uh, Beck had, I forget the name of the band that he put together, but they had a song, a uh, band that just covered the whole kick album, but it was like this weird, really leaned into the techno, really leaned into that sort of thing for it. Listen to mo- multiple covers of Never Terrace Apart, but I think Joe Cocker, while he is difficult to look at, really pulls the soul of this song out of it.
2: I was really surprised by this. Like, there's a, until a certain part, it doesn't even sound like a Joe Cocker song. No. He gets gravelly eventually, but yeah, I really like this. Yeah.
0: I mean, you think of like Joe Cocker songs, a little help for my friends, that sort of thing. Watching the video is kind of tough because watching Joe Cocker sing anything is kind of tough. I do wish that they had used a saxophone for the solo in the second half of this instead of a guitar, but it's still he pulls the heart of this song out of it and just delivers.
3: Hmm. Well, and I've got to admit, because he played the Beck version for us and I love Beck but it just was so far to the left that it lost you know the
0: heart of the song it was so it was very experimental
3: this version like i said he he captured what michael hutchins was going for with in the band and sold it it was mm. believable
1: hmm. i disagree with all of you as much as i like this, the original song as much as i like joe cocker i did not care for this version
0: what yeah really yeah, I what? just
1: felt like he was holding back. I felt like, I don't know, I just didn't enjoy it. I didn't hate it, but but I didn't enjoy it at all. See, I
0: can I can agree with you that he was holding back on this one. I feel that he could have gone full cocker.
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think this this was towards the end of his career and life. So I don't know if maybe he just couldn't get into it.
0: Yeah, this was in 2008? Two thousand eight, I think.
5: I thought it the it was understated, and that was sort of the point. Like that, that didn't seem to me to be like he was holding
2: back because he couldn't deliver more.
1: See, I don't look for Joe Cocker for understatement.
2: <laughs> well, that's why I said this uh, surprised me because this is not what I expected when I heard Joe Cocker was covering "Never Tear Us Apart." But I was pleasantly surprised, and obviously you weren't.
0: Yeah, correct. I, I still hold that in this cover, he definitely understood the soul of the song and delivered on this one.
3: Patrick was looking for the whole Cocker, not just the tip.
1: I don't like I don't like going off half Cocker.
0: Exactly. You make Joe Cocker and Michael Hutchins cry. All right, so next up, the Lean on Me, quandary, debate, conflict. Those of us who love it, those of us who think it sucks, Josh, who have you got for the cover now? I so actually went back and forth on this one. Uh, I eventually landed
2: on the version covered by Seal. If we are wise, we
4: know that there's always tomorrow.
2: So, I mean, while I am not a huge, like, I wouldn't declare myself as a massive Seal fan, I can't actually recall anything I've ever heard him record that I didn't like. And I I do own one of his albums. Which is odd for me, because I don't own a whole lot of physical media, as I've gone into it multiple times across multiple
0: shows. i got to give it to you. While I'm not, I do not own any Seal albums, I cannot recall a song of his where he disappointed me in this one he's channeling the original really well his voice is gorgeous oh At yeah all times in, in particular
2: in this one
3: well that's one of the things i liked about it is how he used his own voice to harmonize and he does have a very impressive set of pipes i almost want to say i like the club nouveau version more but that's probably more due to nostalgia than quality
1: I would have liked this more if it didn't have the backbeat or whatever it is that, it, you know, that kicks in about a third of the way through the song. I don't mm. know. I, just, I was really digging it, and then that started up, and I was like, "Yeah." other than that, I, I I like it. It's a good, you know, it's a good cover. Yeah. You know, seal's being Seal. You
2: know. It's definitely kind of what it says on the tin, uh, but I do think that sometimes you'll get a cover which is just like a straight we just remade the song exactly the same way and didn't make it our own at all and I don't know that I dig that either. Yeah. This isn't
1: that. I just feel like this 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 was there, you know, it wasn't, you know, bad or good, it just you know. It,
0: it was still a good cover. Yeah. I think what I what I like about it is the fact that he did not he put a little bit of a spin on it, but he didn't do the full nouveau.
1: It's not bad, but I can definitely see why it didn't get radio play.
0: Yeah. They didn't go full nouveau. Thank God. Never go full nouveau.
1: <laughs> Even they shouldn't have gone full nouveau. All right. Fuck that song. So that was
0: Lean, lean on Me. <laughs> well that's what I love about you, Pat. I never have to worry about where you stand on anything, really. <laughs> yeah. Alright, so we just had Lean on Me by Seal, and now we're stepping into Personal Jesus. Patrick, who have you chosen for this cover?
1: actually the same guy that I chose for another one of our cover songs for a cover because (gasps) the incomparable Johnny Cash, his album of covers is just so good that I had to go with another one.
4: Your own personal Jesus. Someone to hear your prayers. Someone who's there.
1: He manages to change the song and and also keep it the same somehow. Obviously I always love Johnny Cash's voice. The guitar playing is good in this. It's exact same guitar playing from the original just on an acoustic that is not plugged in opposed to the acoustic that is and the acoustic,
5: Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just what more can you say about it? Everybody knows this cover. I mean, yeah. it's just you know two two good versions of a great song.
0: This is up there with the cover of Hurt that he does. Yeah. And I, I one of my favorite memories from this whole album, The American. Or is that the name of the... the It's just American. American music. I remember playing this for my mother-in-law. And she Hurt came on. And halfway through, she's like, oh, my God, this is a beautiful song. What is it about? I'm like, heroin addiction. <laughs> and she just looked at me and she's like, oh... Huh. OK, i like, <laughs> it's like, it's a beautiful song. I feel that anybody who has their song covered by Johnny Cash is like, well, that's your song now.
1: For sure. Yeah, I mean, Trent Reznor pretty much said that Hurt is his now.
2: Yeah. I love the honky tonk piano in the background.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Right.
2: It's real subtle, uh, but it's a, such a nice touch, giving it a little bit of that country spin.
0: Yeah. It really is. And that's where
3: he's taking it and making it his own without, like you said, changing the song.
0: Yeah. And how much of an honor is it to have to have a song that Johnny Cash says, that song is so good, I think I want to play it too.
3: It's a shame he didn't cover
5: Fat by Weird Al Yankovic.
1: That's right. You sit there and you stew in your juices.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm Saki.
0: I would rub your face in that if I could. Let's <laughs> let him introduce another one of his songs, then
2: you can rub his face in something. <laughs> All right.
4: <laughs> so,
0: and we're going to finish up this show. Here's my review. <laughs> With uh, Joel's cover song of the now Blitzkrieg Bop. Joel, who is covering the famous, the wonderful, and awesome Ramones? This one.
3: For this final choice uh we've got the rob zombie version off of his past past present and future album Uh, That was also off the We're a Happy Family, a tribute to the Ramones. And once again, also, as has been stated over multiple shows, I'm a huge Rob Zombie fan. More for his movies and his music, but I do enjoy his music and I like this cover. I think it holds true to the original, but sounds like a Rob Zombie song. Now, I'm lining up for the Smackdowns. Go ahead. (laughs) Because you all suck.
1: (laughs) No, this song sucks. (laughs) <laughs> i I like the instrumental of the song i do not like the new take on slowing down the the pace of the lyrics
0: holy shit you just said what it is that i couldn't figure out why i didn't like this song
1: yeah it's, it's too just, slow it just turns it into like a like i can imagine some high school team doing a high school cheerleading team doing a routine to this song
0: oh my god dude that's rough
1: uh, it just it it takes the the jock jams part of the song that I talked about earlier and and suburbanizes it and I you know it just for Rob Zombie I expect more I like Rob Zombie as an artist I like his music and I don't care for this cover.
2: Okay, so we're gonna have one of these last second reversals here from me. Oh, I was prepared to hate this, and I don't. I actually kind of dig it. I wasn't sure at first, but I went back to the same test I applied to Mike's Marilyn Manson cover. And I think given the proper context, if I had not known, like, I'd recognize it was Rob Zombie because it's very obviously a Rob Zombie song. But in the proper context, if I was watching this as a soundtrack to the right movie, I think I would be amazed by it. I I think Joel's right. I think uh, it is a... True to the original version of the song that he completely made his own
1: I could see this in like the background of a CSI episode.
0: see i I love the Ramones. I like Rob Zombie. I'm with you on both of those fronts, Joel. My thing is i I think he got technically he got the song right, but I don't dig the slowdown of it. When I hear this, I kind of think contractual obligation. You know, I need to do this song because I have to do this for the album. I just think that if he was let to do his own thing, I think there may have been a little bit of people at the, like at the boardroom deciding on this sort of thing, like how they wanted it. I don't know. I just ex- for someone who is continually portrayed as being as edgy as Rob Zombie is. I expected more for a Ramon song.
3: Well, see, the thing is he's a huge fan uh, like Tarantino and his music and his movies. He's, he's the same way. And he, you know, he loves old school punk and rock and country. And he's used Ramon's song. He's Ramone song in um, uh, house of a thousand corpses. And he's a fan. And so I think that's why they enlisted him to, to do it on the covers album for the Ramones, because he is a fan. So I probably disagree with the whole contractual obligation aspect, but
1: I, I think what he's trying to say is it's kind of it's missing the soul of a normal Rob Zombie song. See, and I'm with Joel on this,
2: that I I don't see the boardroom and I don't see the suburbs in this at all. The slow version, especially the way it builds, reminds me almost like of his horror movie aesthetic. Like, instead of it just being frenetic, everything thrown at the wall the way the Ramones did it, this is like a bunch of monsters slowly tromping forward, wearing heavy boots. It's
1: kind of the feel I get out of it. But that's one of the appeals of the Ramones, is it's just... So fast and in your face, and two and a half minutes later, they're just done.
2: Sure, but this isn't the Ramones. It's Blitzkrieg Bop,
0: done by Rob Zombie. Should be called Blitzkrieg Poop. <laughs> That's great, man. I'm I'm glad you're defending it on this one. <laughs> uh... yeah.
5: No, I mean,
1: I don't hate it. Like I said, I love the instrumental part of it. I just didn't care for the slower pace.
0: Is there a way we can like speed up the play on that one? Well, yeah, there's always a way you can. I mean, you can always chest here. I want to. Ha- I actually kind of want to find that and and speed it up by half.
2: I'd I sure listen to a version that was speeded up, but like I liked the feel that the slower pace gave to it. This just unrelenting. Jason Voorhees and a whole bunch of slow monsters coming forward.
0: <laughs> See, I I get where you're coming from, Josh, but I unfortunately, like, I'm a, I'm in the camp with Patrick. Like, the Ramones. If I if I hear this next track is from the Ramones, I expect fast, hard punk rock done.
1: And if you're gonna try to slow it down, then slow the whole song down. Don't keep a a driving instrumental beat and then be like, and we're gonna lounge sing the, the lyrics.
2: I
3: kind of want to hear Beck do
2: this song now. No, you don't. <laughs> he might. To see. I don't think we do. Yeah, yeah. Then, I... I, we like Beck, just like a, he gets a little experimental with his covers. A little little too much for me.
0: Yeah, I love you, Beck, but stay the fuck away from an excess, please. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, shit.
0: It, it's coming. Let's bring
1: Bob by Lana Del Rey. I want to hear that. Oh,
5: the kind of cash was still around
1: is it lana or lana lana yeah i think it's lana I'm, i agree with Josh.
2: so yeah i guess guess we're to the end yeah, yeah. we're all covered out. all right well if you, if you have your thoughts about any of the cover songs that uh we've played or if you have suggestions if we want to delve into this topic again let us know give us a call at 708 now rap that's 708-669-9727
0: Yep. And again, if you're looking for our older stuff, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TalkSoup, Podverse FM. We are on all sorts of pod places, including Podchaser and iTunes. If you want to leave us a review, head over there and uh, tell us what you think or give us a call like Josh says. Joel. Yeah. What are we going to argue about next week?
3: (laughs) Next week, who watches The Watchmen and reads
0: them?
5: we do we do
0: i'm excited i am too i'm really curious on how people are going to specifically pat are going to do this
3: i've been looking forward to this show so i'm i'm excited to talk
0: about it
1: yeah about a third of the way through the comic right now
0: Ah, cool graphic novel whatever shut up all right So we will be back next week with the Watchmen and our blood-stained smiley faces. Again, give us a call. I hope you enjoyed the show. And again, thank you for listening.
1: I hardly ever measure anything. I'd put my ability to freehand measurements up against anybody with a measuring cup. Too many years of free pouring and cooking got me a pretty good idea.
2: And if you're not baking, you're going to get close enough that it's not going to matter. Right. Mm -hmm.
0: And
3: I'm free. Free pouring.
0: Cooking is an art. Baking is a science. You got to be accurate in that shit.
3: Unless you're cooking math.
0: you should really probably
1: still be accurate so you don't blow up your trailer park. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, meth is definitely something I would be very accurate in.
3: And why isn't it baking meth instead of cooking meth?
1: Because they don't use... Ovens? Lock pans?
0: I made you a meth (laughs) bunt.
3: This angel food meth is delicious. (laughs) So light and airy. Oh, another tooth fell out.
5: Mm, math cakes.